this probably sounds a bit hokey, but I, I just don't know who I am without reading and that I have been reading for as long as I can remember and reading a lot. And I need it to make me feel calm and sane. If I'm going through a hard time, I, w- I will just read relentlessly, um, especially if I can't sleep. You know, I've read a lot, of, a lot of stuff when I've had insomnia. So it's kind of my safe place. And also, obviously, it's a really restorative place. And I don't think you're ever lonely when you're reading. Welcome to Priorities, the podcast about the things in life that really matter. I'm your host, journalist and coach Lily Silverton, and each week, along with a roster of incredible guests, I'll be exploring how priorities inform and transform our lives, sharing mindset tips, strategies, tools, and inspiration to help you prioritise your own life. We'll be covering what we think is important and unimportant, what we'd like to work on a little more, and the moments that changed our priorities and lives forever. I hope you enjoy. So today I've got a special mini-sode for you with journalist and broadcaster Pandora Sykes. A former editor at the Sunday Times Style magazine, Pandora has written for publications including The Guardian, Vogue, Elle, GQ and The Evening Standard. She's the creator of multiple podcasts and audio documentaries including The High Low and Doing It Right and she's also the host of The Missing. Her debut essay collection, How Do We Know We're Doing It Right, was a Sunday Times bestseller. And more recently, and what we're going to talk about today, is she's edited an anthology, What Writers Read, in which 35 well-known writers pen a short essay on their favourite book. A small thing before we hear from Pandora. This week, there is no ad slot. Instead, I just want to flag the charity, the National Literacy Trust, to which all the proceeds from Pandora's book are going. It's a UK charity which works to end literacy inequality. Over 413,000 children and young people in the UK don't actually own a book. And their incredible work is across the spectrum. They offer support with nurseries, schools, local communities, families, as well as policy, campaigning and research. So if you're not already familiar with them, please do have a look. www.literacytrust.org.uk Welcome, Pandora. Hi, how are you doing? I'm good. How are you doing? I'm very well, thank you. I always ask people whether they have like a morning routine. Do you have any morning routine? Do you routine kind of person? I do like routines, but I don't really have one in the morning because it really depends. My husband and I alternate who does um, the children in the morning. So it really depends who has them. And then it also really depends whether or not I'm on a long form project or not. So if I'm working really crazy hours, because then everything is quite compressed and I'm at my desk quite early, or if I'm sort of in that in-between creative admin phase, and then it's maybe a bit slower. I would say it always contains similar elements, which is toast, going to get a coffee from the end of the road, which I tried to stop doing by buying a really good coffee machine, but that keeps breaking, so that hasn't worked. <laughs> um, and having a shower. Those are about the only common elements. Um, and then if I've got the children, obviously it's, you know, doing all of that, doing all of that stuff with them. And they have a routine. They very much have a routine, just not me so much. <laughs> yeah, there's just like no space for you in that routine. Mine's similar, I think, has gone from like quite an advanced routine to coffee and toast after drop off. It's like really, really important. Coffee and peanut butter toast. I just had, I've got it on my desk. I'm literally looking at the crust now that uh, was just a bit too bready 
to finish it was like a really big crust and no butter and pe- no peanut butter and I was like trudging my way through it but yeah always um normally actually so cereal I'll do cereal at seven and then toast at ten double so breakfast people get through lunch well more like an elongated breakfast mm. draw it out yeah Enjoy it. We're going to talk about reading today, Pandora. Congratulations on your new anthology, What Readers, What Writers Read. Thank you. It's a bit of a tongue twister, What Writers Read. It is a little bit, isn't it? How did you come up with the idea for it? It actually popped into my head fully formed. I was reading, um, I was reading a, a slot in The Guardian um, I can't remember exactly where it is, but it's a bit where an author's interviewed about the book they love, the book that changed them, the book that made them cry, the book they couldn't finish, um, the book they wish they'd written. Mm. And I was thinking, I always read that slot and go away and buy. I'll go onto World of Books, which is, if possible, I'll buy them secondhand. So I'll go into World of Books or eBay, and I often end up buying one of the um books that the writers talked about or I fall down a google hole of you know um, googling interviews with that author and it's just such a lovely privilege I think to hear from one of your favorite writers about the writers they love because almost every writer is a reader Um, and so I thought wouldn't it be so lovely to have a book filled with moments like that and then at the same time I was thinking a lot about how many library public library closures there have been it's over 800 since 2008 and I actually read in the newspaper last weekend that there's loads more coming and it's not really talked about but it is a national emergency and it has a massive impact on the mental health of children their mental health as an adult also having shared free spaces for Um, young people to go for teenagers to go who don't necessarily have a safe place at home so it has enormous ramifications so I thought it'd be really cool to put a book together and for all the money to go to the National Literacy Trust and I was just really lucky that I went to Bloomsbury just you know direct with this proposal and they were really up for it and even better because this was obviously what it hinged on lots of really wonderful authors were willing to do it for free and that was the bit that I was really nervous about but once a couple of really established ones said yes I found that others wanted to follow I guess because you you know want to be aligned with certain authors so that was that was like the daunting bit I think quite a big question but do you have a favorite favorite author or a favorite book yourself I don't really have a favourite author or favourite book and I sort of resisted that in the same way that Fatima Bhutto does and what what writers read by saying kind of various books that have meant something to me Mm. throughout my life. I often say One Day by David Nichols just because I think it's the perfect sliding doors rom-com and I've reread it a lot but I actually have lots of different books that mean lots of different things to me. Some are fiction and some are non-fiction. So the question that I asked of everyone I actually really hate being asked myself. <laughs> the one that you find it impossible to answer. Yeah. Has reading always been a big priority in your life? Yes. And I don't think it was particularly a conscious priority. Um it was it, this probably sounds a bit hokey, but I I just don't know who I am without reading and that I have been reading for as long as I can remember and reading a lot. And I need it to make me feel calm and 
sane. If I'm going through a hard time, I, w- I will just read relentlessly, um, especially if I can't sleep. You know, I've read a lot of a lot of stuff when I've had insomnia. So it's kind of my safe place. And also, obviously, it's a really restorative place. And I don't think you're ever lonely when you're reading. Um, and if you like spending lots of time on your own, which I do and gets harder and harder as you're an adult, um, then reading is just, I just find it's, yeah, it's just the best thing because my mind doesn't wander the same way it does if I'm listening to a podcast or watching a film. I am just so completely absorbed and it's just it's just so lovely to be able to escape into someone else's world. Mm. Is there a particular world or genre that you like to escape in? I tend to read several genres at the same time. So I I will always read a fiction and a non-fiction at the same time. Theoretically, I read one fiction and one non-fiction, but actually I'm reading about 10 different books at the same time at the moment, which is actually not the best way because then I sort of lose my, um, I lose my momentum with, um, with them when I do that. But I, I would say I largely like um, contemporary fiction and then I like science psychological um sort of pop science pop psychology um books about the way we live now um I'm just looking at my shelves I, I've got a lot of non-fiction actually it can be anything from um yeah anything from kind of the medical industry to um economics not like hard economics um <laughs> so yeah, lots of kind of, I guess, myth-busting books, non-fiction that myth-bust, which is what I love, whether that's The Right to Sex by Amir Srinivasan or We Need New Stories by Nazreen Malik. Like, I learn a lot, I think, from my non-fiction. And of course, you learn different stuff from fiction, but I've actually been trying to... I'm relatively well-read on contemporary fiction, I am, which I, and I suppose it would be called contemporary literary fiction. I don't really like those categories of commercial fiction and literary fiction because I don't think they really serve the purpose a lot of the time like literary fiction can be commercial fiction and vice versa um so I'm probably better read on those so I've actually been trying to go back to the 70s and 80s and 90s so read books that are already on my shelves or read authors that I hadn't read before there are absolutely loads um I'm launching a monthly books podcast next in December called uh Actually, I don't know if I can say any more than that, but I'm launching a monthly books podcast and the USB will the USP will be that we're not doing new releases. We're going to be doing uh, old books so that people can buy them secondhand and so that you can slightly opt out of trying to keep up with the bestsellers um, and what's new in store at 1699. Um, we wanted to kind of foster this idea of going back to your bookshelves and a slightly slower way of reading and also just rediscovering the classics these many many authors that I haven't read my sister's 50 and I'm 35 so we are a generation apart and it's really interesting talking to her because the books that were really big during her formative years are or the authors that were really big during her formative years are a bit less so now so it's you know, they're just a bit less trendy. They're not any less revered, but they're not necessarily the authors that everyone's talking about now. So it's always really interesting, I think, to talk to people about what was what was big when they were my age or younger. Yeah, that's really interesting because there is this real, you know, this author is trendy. And so like with music, right? And so everyone will read that or 
a lot of books will be commissioned by them. And mm. as you say, sort of maybe smaller authors or lesser known ones or older ones get squeezed out. Totally. And I think it's really stressful for those authors who have been hyped as hot or cult because then there's always a backlash like, oh, actually, this book's no good. Mm. Um, I think you saw it with A Little Life by Hanya Yanagihara, which was loved by lots yeah. of people. I adored it. And then there was, I think, sort of last year or, or maybe the year before, there started to be a really big backlash. So it it happens, you know, it's societally we build things up only to tear them down again. And it's kind of awful so what's quite nice is when you step back so some of the books we'll be talking about will have been huge in their time and are still considered iconic but they're not they're not the subject of discourse right now unless it's a retrospective in the New Yorker or something it's just less it's less loaded I think Mm. do you remember books yes but not by a character I think because I read so much and this is probably something to my detriment I don't remember specific characters necessarily so I'm just thinking about two books I love Brick Lane and On Beauty and I actually can't name a single character so I will know in my head that I love a book but and I actually want to reread both of those they're both on my reread list um so I will know I love a book but unless I've read it in the last year I probably can't remember super specific details or even specific details Mm, I'm terrible I can finish a book and then three weeks later pick it up read at least a quarter of it before realizing I've just read it I don't think it means you haven't enjoyed it though no I would have loved it it's just uh, the way my brain works it's the same with movies yeah yeah I'm I'm really really forgetful um I yeah things kind of rush in and rush out quite quickly and I'd I'd love to have an amazing memory I think it's such a great such a great asset (laughs) yeah me too my husband's got nearly a perfect memory drives me mad um (laughs) do you feel the pressure to finish a book when you started one or are you happy to discard something I like to finish a book when I've started one because it's sort of out of respect to the author but also because it feels like such a waste to have bought a book or be given a book and not give it a good go but there definitely will be some I finished. What I'm more likely to do is skim is to skim a book that I'm not really enjoying. So I know what happens, um, but because I'm not necessarily enjoying the writer writing or the plot, I won't dwell on the pages. Um, and I'm a really good skim reader I don't skim books if I'm interviewing the author or if I'm writing about a book but if so I was a judge on the women's fiction prize and in in the first round you have to read so many books and either you read the first 50 pages and decide if it's worth reading the rest you know if it's going to be allocated into your long list pile or like I did, I would get to 50 pages and if I still wasn't really enjoying it, I would skim it. So if it was someone else's favourite, I would know what they were talking about, but I wouldn't spend eight hours on a book I really hated. Mm. I've gotten better, I think, at putting down books, of accepting that if I'm not enjoying it by a certain point, I've just got to let it go because there are so many books to read. There's so many. People so- have people have really different versions of how many pages it should be some people say 30 some people say 50 some people say 70 some people say if it hasn't grabbed you in the first page but actually 
lots of books start quite slowly. Mm. There was also one of the authors in your anthology was talking about how she'd read a book years ago and hadn't liked it at all and then came back yeah. to the Who was that? I can't quite remember. That was Emma Deberry and she was talking about Quicksand by Nella right. Larson. So she read it, it annoyed her, it did nothing for her and then she came back to it 12 years later and found it spoke to her so much. Um, and I love that. I think that would absolutely happen to me if I went back to books that I'd read at university and really hated, I'm sure. But I've also gone back, back to books that I loved and they don't work for me anymore. Mm. I've definitely had that experience as well. What would you say to someone who wants to prioritise reading a bit more? What's your sort of advice, your go-to? It's really difficult because that's like someone giving me advice on how to make more time for cooking (laughs) or how to make more time for exercise. I think you have to really want to do it. And I think there's definitely a tendency to feel bad if you don't read enough or for there to be some kind of moral attachment to reading. Like if you read a lot, you're somehow a better person or a smarter person or a more thoughtful person. But I always think that people who don't like reading should take inspiration from my husband who doesn't feel bad about it, doesn't care about it. It's just not for him. Um, So either you're drawn to it in which case I think it's quite easy to find time, whether it's, um, you know, say you get your children up at seven, whether it's waking up at 6.30 and reading for half an hour, I, that would not be my preferred time. My preferred time is to, if I don't have to work in the evening or if I'm not out, once I've got the children to bed, we don't really do like proper sit down dinners in the week because we both just really want to value our quiet time essentially my husband and I so I a couple of nights a week will go to bed with a book at eight o'clock and I'll read till 11 so I can easily do a book or two a week and my husband and I also take the children in turns quite a lot so that each of us gets some time on their own on the weekend um so if you have kids that that could I mean if you're a single parent I understand that is a lot more difficult to carve out time for you um but if you co-parent then that's a way to find time to read I also used to have a policy when I worked in an office I used to have to have I used to have a policy and I still do now when I go on the tube but it's only only go into town probably you know once a week so I will not check my emails when I'm on the train I will read so if you're commuting half an hour there and back every day this is that's obviously quite a london-centric answer again if you're driving but you could do audiobooks but if you're commuting half an hour there and half an hour back every day that's an hour of reading every mm. day and makes your commute a lot less boring um so i think if you want to do it there's a way but i think making yourself read is actually it feels really unappealing just like making yourself do anything feels really unappealing mm, definitely it's only for people who would want to prioritize it already and it does become habit I totally understand that if you haven't read for a couple of years so I I will get asked quite a lot by people who also have toddlers they will say well I haven't read a book in two years how do you read so much and to that I would say firstly it's my job I interview lots of authors so I will read during my work day sometimes because that's my research but secondly it's because there's a lot of things I'm not doing I'm not necessarily watching loads of tv I'm not in a bar lots of evenings um we don't we do extremely low maintenance quite crap cooking most of the time and I don't do daily exercise at the moment and that's that's what I feel really bad about I think people always have stuff they feel really bad about um and mine is that I probably should be exercising in some of the time I put aside for reading 
as you say, it's really habits, right? Um, when I coach mm. habit stacking and how Ooh. you, yeah. So, um, you could, so for example, you're reading on the tube, that's sort of you stacking a habit. So you already get the tube and then you put that, that you put your phone away and you read and that becomes the norm for you. So you associate getting the tube with reading a book. And for someone else, it might be like a certain type of tea that they'll make. Yeah. They'll read during that time or building it onto, you know, some people who have the maybe older children or no children do it where they wake up straight away and they do something like exercise or meditate or whatever it is. And they're building that habit. And obviously the more you do it, the more it becomes. So it's attaching a habit to something else. Hey, so I'm just jumping in here from the recording as when I listened back to this, I realized that I misdescribed habit stacking to Pandora. I was obviously incredibly tired <laughs> quite um, early morning with my kids and I teach habit stacking a lot and I'm not sure why I misdescribed it here. So just to clarify, habit stacking is when you stack a habit upon another habit. So for example, wake up in the morning and the first thing you do is brush your teeth. And then as soon as you brush your teeth, you drink a big glass of water. And then as soon as you've drunk that water, you meditate or whatever it is. So you're using actual habits to stack them. And yeah, apologies about that, Pandora. Now back to the recording. If you yeah, wanted to really exercise more, how could you have it stuck? Well, I was just thinking about that. <laughs> I think the problem is the amount of disposable hours mm. I currently have and how I want to spend them. That's how I reason with cooking um, is that I just feel really, I would feel really stressed spending an hour cooking every night and sitting down. like for some people I totally understand this I think it's lovely sitting down with their partner at the end of the day and cooking a meal you know spending an hour hour and a half doing that is so so important to them mm. I think for us that time is so so much more restorative for me to be reading and for him to be watching tv like that for us I think actually gives us gives us more um of course, it then means, you know, we're not necessarily always eating the most delicious meals. We might have beans on toast or, or you know, something quite quick. But I think that's what, yeah, that's what works for us at the moment. But that's really good prioritising. Like, we can't do it all at all, right? No, no. Where we've got to be able to, <clears throat> I don't know, put all of our energy and then know the areas where we'll put less and be okay with that that's the thing it is choices I think often and I'm so guilty of this as well and I'm not talking about kind of the basic choices I'm talking about the cherry on top of the cake choices I think often we think that we don't have the power to make those choices but actually I think it's that sometimes we don't want to admit you know I don't want to admit that actually I'm just making time for other stuff which is why I don't have time to do that thing mm. I have a reminder on my phone that comes up every day that says you have time to do everything that's important to you. That's the thing, isn't it? It's like when you when you forget something and it's where well, you forget the things you don't prioritize. Mm. OK, thank you so much for talking to me today, Pandora. Thank you so much for having me and for introducing me to habit stacking. <laughs> oh, I wanted to ask you one question. What do you mm. think of book clubs? I think they are, I think they're great for lots of people. I did, I used to do one, but it was less of a book club and more I would interview the author and people could watch the interview and they could read the book. So it was kind of quite a low maintenance book club and actual coming together and discussing a book um, 
is not is not really for me unless it's with one individual person. I don't know why it's never spoken to me, but I think it's really wonderful for people who um, struggle to identify what book to read next and also who love a kind of a group activity. Mm. Uh, so I think it really speaks to lots of people. It's it's not for me personally. I think my reading is more, I think my reading is more solitary maybe or one-on-one, having a one-on-one chat with someone about it. More of a personal experience. Yeah. Well, as you said at the beginning, it sounds like it's very much something you do for your mental and emotional health as well. Yeah. Your time for yourself. Yeah. You don't necessarily want to have to share that. Also, if I love a book, I don't want to listen to people rip it apart. <laughs> I just that just doesn't do anything for me, I don't think. But as I said, I think they're really wonderful um, for lots of people. And I think book subscription services are wonderful for lots of people as well. Okay. Thank you so much for today, Pandora. Thank you so much for having me on. Take care. Bye-bye. If you enjoyed this episode of Priorities, I'd really appreciate it if you could make it your priority today to hit subscribe and also rate and review as this helps other people find it. Thank you so much for listening. Take care.